Hey everybody, it is Father Edward Looney here. It is January 1st, 2022. It is a new year. And you know, last year, Father Michael Schmitz did the Bible in a Year podcast. And maybe you missed the bone on that one just like I did. And you're going to be taking that boat this year. But I'd also encourage you to check out the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I am reading the 2,500 page four-volume mystical revelations received by Maria of Agreda back in the 1600s. It's a separate podcast, but today I'd like to share with you the introductory episode of why I am doing the podcast and also day one of the reading as we begin this new year. I hope that you'll be able to find it on all the other podcast platforms that you listen on and be able to subscribe and follow along. It's hosted over at anchor.fm. Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here. You might know me because I am a Catholic author. I've written several books about the Blessed Mother, including A Lenten Journey with Mother Mary, A Heart Like Mary's, and Behold the Handmaid of the Lord. I encourage you to go check those books out, deepen your love for the Blessed Mother. I host the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly conversation with somebody in Catholicism about some aspect of our faith, but always weaving in the Blessed Mother into our conversation. I hosted a podcast for the Year of St. Joseph. You can listen to the archives, Cup of St. Joe. And I'm a priest, and so you, maybe you've listened to my homilies. And I'm very excited to share today about a project that I'm working on in collaboration with Tan Books. I'm not writing a book for Tan Books. I'm actually reading a book for Tan Books. And it's a book they've published. And when I say a book, I actually mean four books. And when I say four books, I mean they're volumes. And when I say volumes, it's like 2,500 pages. It's called The Mystical City of God by Venerable Maria of Agreda. And it's these mystical revelations about the life of Jesus and Mary and these visions and locutions, and all of those things that Maria of Agreda received. And I was really inspired to do this project by Father Michael Schmitz and Father Joe Roche. Father Mike Schmitz just did the Bible in a Year podcast. Father Joe Roche is reading the Diary of Divine Mercy in a Year. And so those podcasts have been quite popular, and I've always wanted to read The Mystical City of God in a Year, and I kind of thought, well, why not do it as a daily read, a daily podcast, reflect on it? And you might ask, well, why are you taking out another project? Why do you feel called to do this? It really comes down to Blessed Solanus Casey. My mother, throughout her life, was a lifelong diabetic. And one time I was reading a biography about Blessed Solanus Casey. This was when my mother was still alive. And as I read one of the chapters, it said that Blessed Solanus was having trouble with blood flow in his leg, and he was hospitalized, and hourly they were checking the Doppler in his leg. And so basically checking to see how his blood flow is, they anticipated they were going to amputate in the morning. Well, morning came and they did their final check, and Blessed Solanus didn't need to have his leg amputated. My mother was a very bad diabetic. She had several toes amputated throughout her life. And when I read those lines of Blessed Solanus, when I read that fact about his life, I said, oh, I'm going to pray every day to Blessed Solanus, asking him to spare my mother the possibility of having her leg amputated. My prayer was always that she would be spared, that if she had any clots, that the Lord would break them, miraculously heal her, 
so that she would be able to keep her leg. I don't think that she would have enjoyed her life as an amputee with either a prosthetic or being wheelchair-bound for the rest of her life. That was my prayer for her. The other thing that I learned about Blessed Solanus as I read The Mystical City of God was that when people would come to him, and Blessed Solanus was this saintly priest, a simplex priest at a monastery in Detroit, Michigan. He was the porter, meaning that he was the doorkeeper. People would come, they would ask for money or help or assistance, and Blessed Solanus would be there to help them, and he would give counsel, he'd pray with the people that came. And one of the things Blessed Solanus would always say to people when they asked for his prayers, he would send them home with one of the volumes of the mystical city of God, and he would tell them, go home and read the mystical city of God. Well, some people would come back to Father Solanus, to Blessed Solanus, and they'd say, Father, why isn't my family member getting better? I thought we prayed for them. And inevitably, he'd always ask them, did you read the mystical city of God? And do you know what their answer would be? No, I didn't. And so he would tell them, go home and commit yourself to reading the mystical city of God. So what happened for me, I was praying to Blessed Solanus. And every night in my bedroom, I would pray asking Blessed Solanus to help my mother to pray for her miraculously so that she wouldn't have her leg amputated. And then I'd pick up one of the volumes of the mystical city of God and I would read it. Now, I did this for about four months because then... In a sense, you could say my prayer was answered. Unfortunately, my mother succumbed to the diabetes. It ended up taking her life. But at the end of it all, she never lost her leg. She never had her leg amputated. So I took that kind of to be an answered prayer. So I started The Mystical City of God, Volume 1. I got to, I still have the bookmarker in the book. I have it right here in front of me. I got to page number 282. And I realized that I have three more volumes to go. And I said, why not read The Mystical City of God? I believe it's a debt that I owe to Blessed Solanus to popularize this again, just as he knew The Mystical City of God. It said he read it four times in his life. And on his deathbed, he wanted it read to him. On his deathbed, he was reciting passages from the mystical city of God. I did one little project for Maria Vagrida. There was a conference down in San Angelo, Texas. We're going to talk about what happened down there. I'm hoping maybe to have a guest on to share about that in these preliminary days leading up to the first of the year when we begin reading the mystical city of God. And I went down there for a conference called Lady in Blue. It was a conference in honor of Maria Vagrida. I have done a little legwork for Venerable Maria Vagrida, but this is, for me, to pay back to the Blessed Mother, to Blessed Solanus, to Venerable Maria Vagrida for the influence that they've had in my life. It's something that I feel really called to do and compelled to do. And to be honest, maybe only one or two people follow along on the podcast. And if that's all that it is, well, that's all right. I'm, of course, hoping that others will be involved, that they'll listen along, that they'll read The Mystical City of God alongside me. There was one family I know, I reached out to them, called them. I knew that they had read in the past. And it was funny because when I called them, I said, I think I'm going to be doing this Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm going to read it every day. It's like seven pages. Read it in a year. And they said, we just took it off our bookshelf and we're going to start reading it. So we'll wait 
until January 1st, and so they're going to join me. I hope that you'll stick around and join me in this journey. The first volume is a bit dense because it deals with the Immaculate Conception and the early life of Mary, and so it can be a bit tedious and boring, maybe, but I'm really looking forward to volumes two and three and four when we really get into the life of Jesus and Mary when we get into Nazareth and Bethlehem and all of those places that we know of in the scriptures. The sacred scriptures are public revelation. They tell us what we need to know for salvation. Everything in the mystical city of God is private revelation, and so it doesn't need to be believed by you. But so many people have these curiosities about the life of Jesus and Mary. I think Venerable Maria of Agreda offers us just one possibility to get our mind thinking about the life of Jesus. I know that it's going to be enriching for me to read the mystical city of God, and I hope that you'll join me too as we pay this honor to Our Lady, as we try to learn about her and love her all the more. I'm Father Edward Looney, and I'll be reading the mystical city of God beginning January 1st on this podcast. So please subscribe, and I hope that you'll tune in on day one. Introduction to the Life of the Queen of Heaven Giving the reason for writing it and explaining other circumstances in connection therewith. I should not be astonished to hear myself condemned as audacious, foolhardy, and presumptuous by any person who will begin to realize, if realized it can be, that I... A simple woman, who is of herself but sheer weakness and ignorance, and who is, on account of her sins, most unworthy, has resolved and attempted to write of divine and supernatural things. This condemnation will be the more justified in these, our present times, in which the Holy Church, our Mother, is so abundantly supplied with teachers and holy men, so rich in doctrines of the Holy Fathers, and doctors. In this, our most opportune age, when even prudent and wise persons, full of holy zeal in the spiritual life, are disturbed and troubled, at the least mention of a higher life, looking upon visions and revelations as most suspicious and dangerous paths for the pursuit of Christian perfection. If no excuse can be found for such an enterprise in itself, or even for attempting things that are so far above and superior to what man can hope to compass, and so far beyond all human capacities, then we can only conclude that to undertake them in either a sign of perverse judgment or the result of an activity far surpassing all the human power. As faithful children of the Holy Church, we must confess that all the mortals, not only with the use of all their natural powers, but with the simultaneous use of all the common and ordinary graces, are but incapable, and, as it were, mute and ignorant weaklings, for so difficult an undertaking as to explain and describe the hidden mysteries and magnificent sacraments which the powerful arm of the Most High has wrought in that creature whom, as his mother, He has designed to be an immense ocean of grace and privilege and the depositary of the greatest treasure of the divinity. How incapable 
must our weakness acknowledge itself to be. When even the angelic spirits confess that words fail them, when attempting to describe that, which is so far above their thoughts and capacities, the life of this phoenix among the works of God is a book so sealed up that none is found among all the creatures of heaven and earth worthy to open it. It is evident, then, that only the powerful Lord can unseal it, he who made her more perfect than all the creatures, or she herself, the mistress, our queen and mother, who is worthy to receive and properly to appreciate her ineffable gifts. It is in her power to select suitable instruments, and such as for her glory seem capable of manifesting these gifts in the proportion at the time and in the manner serviceable to her only begotten Son. I would willingly maintain that these instruments can be no other than the teachers and learned saints of the Catholic Church, or the doctors of the schools who have all taught the way of truth in life. But the thoughts and the judgments of the Most High are exalted as much above our own as heaven is exalted above the earth, and no one knows his mind, and no one can counsel him in his works. He it is that holds the scales of the sanctuary in his hands, and who weighs the winds, who grasps in his hands all the orbs, and who by the equity of his most holy counsels disposes of all things with weight and measure, assigning to each one opportune time and place. He dispenses the light of wisdom, and by his most equitable bounty he distributes it, and no one can ascend to the heavens to draw it down, or fetch it from the clouds, or know its ways, or investigate the hidden paths thereof. He alone observes it as it is in itself, and transfuses it as the vapor and emanation of his immense charity, as the brightness of his eternal light, as the flawless reflection and image of his eternal bounty through holy souls among the nations, in order to make them friends of the Most High and constitute them as prophets. The Lord alone knows why and for what purpose he thus prepared me, the last of his creatures, why he thus called and raised me, obliged and compelled me to write the life of his Most Holy Mother, our Queen and Lady. It is beyond the prudent surmise of any man that without this influence and power of the Most High, the thought of such a work should enter into a human heart, or such an enterprise should take shape in my mind. For I acknowledge and confess myself to be a weak woman, wanting in all virtue. Therefore, it should be far from my thoughts to approach such a work, but equally as far from me to refuse it on my own account. In order that a just estimate may be had in this matter, I will mention in simple truth something of that which happened to me regarding this history. In the eighth year, after the foundation of this convent, in the twenty-fifth of my life, obedience imposed upon me the office which I unworthily hold at the present day, namely, to be the abbess of this convent. I found myself much troubled, sorrowful, and discouraged, because neither my age nor my inclinations were such as are requisite for governing and commanding but they were rather such as befitted one who should be governed and obeyed. I knew also that in order to invest me with this office, a dispensation had been obtained. On account of these and other just reasons, 
The tares with which the Most High has crucified me during all my life were much augmented. In addition thereto, God left me in dreadful doubt whether I was on the secure path or whether I should obtain or lose his friendship and grace. In this tribulation, I cry to the Lord with all my heart that he help me, and if it be his will that I should be freed from this danger and burden. Although it is true that the Lord had prepared me some time beforehand and commanded me to accept the office, and although when I tried to excuse myself on account of my pusillanimity, he always consoled me and reiterated his command, I nevertheless did not cease my petitions, but rather augmented them. For I perceived and understood in the Lord that, although he showed this to be his holy will, which I could not hinder, yet I was aware at the same time that he left me free to retire and resist, and if I wished to act according to my weakness as a creature, in the consciousness of my total insufficiency, such is the prudence of the Lord in his dealings with men. Relying on this kindness of the Lord, I increased my efforts to be relieved from this evident danger, which is so little estimated by our human nature, with its bad habits and disorderly passions. The Lord, however, repeated continually that it was His will, and He consoled me, admonishing me through His holy angels to obey. I fled in this affliction to our Queen and Lady, as to my only refuge in all troubles, and after I had manifested to her my way of life and my desires, she deigned to answer me in these sweetest of words, My daughter, console thyself and do not be disturbed in thy heart on account of this labor. Prepare thyself for it, and I will be thy mother and superior, whom thou shalt obey, and the same I will be to thy subjects. I will supplement thy deficiencies, and thou shalt be my agent, through whom the will of my Son and my God shall be fulfilled. In all thy temptations and troubles, thou shalt take refuge with me, confer about them with me, and take the advice which I will give thee in all things. Obey me, and I will favor thee, and will continue to be attentive to thy affliction. These were the words of the Queen, as consoling as they were soothing to my soul. From that day on, the Mother of Mercy multiplied her mercies toward me, her slave, for she became more intimate with me and continued her intercourse with my soul, receiving me, listening to me, teaching me with ineffable condescension, giving me counsel and encouragement in my affliction, filling my soul with the light and knowledge of eternal life, and commanding me to renew the vows of my profession in her presence." Finally, this, our most amiable mother and lady, revealed herself still more fully to her slave, withdrawing the veil from the hidden sacraments and magnificent mysteries which are contained, though unknown to mortals, in her most holy life. And although this blessed and supernatural light was uninterrupted, and especially clear on her festival days and on other occasions when I was instructed in many mysteries, yet it was not so full frequent, and clear, as that which was afterwards vouchsafed to me, when she added the command that I write the history of her life, according to her majesty herself. And although this blessed and supernatural light was uninterrupted, and especially clear on her festival days, and on other occasions when I was instructed in many mysteries, yet it was not so full, 
frequent and clear as that which was afterwards vouchsafed to me when she added the command that I write the history of her life according as her majesty herself should dictate and inspire me. Particularly on one of these festivals of the Most Holy Mary, the Most High informed me that he had in reserve many hidden sacraments and blessings which he had confirmed upon this his heavenly mother in the days of her pilgrimage, and that it was his intention to manifest them to me in order that I might write them down according to her guidance. This will of the Most High, though I resisted it, was continually present in my mind for the space of ten years until I attempted the first writing of this divine history. This concludes the readings of paragraphs 1 through 7 of the mystical city of God. When it comes to uh, Venerable Maria of Agreda's Life of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we have to realize that this is a work of private revelation. Everything that we're going to hear now in the 365 readings of the mystical city of God does not need to be believed by you. What is necessary for our belief is public revelation. That is, what is contained in the Gospels, what is taught by the ordinary magisterium of the Church. Mystical visions received by holy men and women, like Maria of Agreda, need not be believed. But yet, we have this great curiosity about the Blessed Virgin Mary, about her life, about the life of her son Jesus. And so that's why we often turn to these mystical biographies and we look for what is lacking in our knowledge. We see what they say so that they might deepen our faith, that they might deepen our love of Almighty God and of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In these introductory paragraphs that we just heard, paragraphs 1 through 7, we heard that God is beginning to stir within the soul of Maria of Agreda, that God chose her at a very young age to be the abbess of her religious community, that God is the one who is entrusting her this task of writing down the life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. A few things worthy of note from what we just heard. She says, I fled in this affliction to our queen and lady as to my only refuge in all troubles. And so we fly to the Blessed Mother in our difficulties. It's why the Christian people turn to Mary in their hour of need. It's why they visit her shrines. That in our affliction, we go to her because we know that she is our mother, that she is our intercessor. And as she fled to Mary, we heard that Mary spoke to her, that interiorly she senses these words that Mary speaks. My daughter, console thyself. Do not be disturbed. Do not be disturbed. Remember, that's what Mary is told. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. And now Mary repeats those words to Maria of Agreda. Do not be disturbed about how God is calling you, how God is going to use you in this role now as Mother Abbess. She went on to say, From that day on, the Mother of Mercy multiplied her mercies toward me. And maybe we notice the powerful intercession of Mary 
and how those mercies of our Lord are multiplied towards us, especially as we fly to Mary's intercession. She says that her soul was filled with knowledge of eternal life. And really for us, that's what we seek as we're reading the mystical city of God, that we want to know the glory of heaven so that we can anticipate it here on earth. Maria of Agreda did that in her life. And now, as she writes and tells the story of Mary's life, well, we too anticipate that life with God forever. We anticipate one day seeing this mother of mercy who has prayed for us so much. Let us pray. Almighty God, you chose Maria of Agreda. You commissioned her to write this life of the Blessed Virgin Mary. As you chose her, we know that you have chosen us for special tasks, for a special mission in our life. Open our ears that we might hear your call. Open our eyes that we might see where you are leading us. Open our heart to follow you unreservedly, that we might carry out your will that we might do it in our lives. With Mary, we say, let it be done to me according to your word. Amen. This has been day one of our reading of the mystical city of God. This is volume one, The Conception, written by Venerable Mary of Agreda. I hope that you'll join us again tomorrow as we continue making our way through these first pages, this introduction to the mystical city of God. God bless you, and Mary pray for you always.